Good morning. How many of you like that last scripture, the Lord looks at what? The heart, not on the outward extremities of man and woman. Man, he's an awesome God. Well, if you have the scriptures we today, turn over to Ephesians chapter 1. We just started this study, and uh, we're walking through this series called Complete in Christ. We'll walk up to about Easter together, just really going and uh, mining God's Word and discovering truths about what it means to follow Christ, what it means positionally, what it means practically. Uh, first three chapters are more kind of doctrinally about what we really have, and it's essential that we know that. And then he gets more practical steps, living as believers, as followers of Jesus. But hey, let's just jump right in there. Ephesians chapter 1, verses uh, 13 through 23. We kind of went through verses chapter 1, verse 1 through 12 last weekend. But what I want you to look at here with me today is the seven dividends of a believer. I'm going to really just run through this quickly, and then we're going to jump into what I really want to cover with you. But get ready to fill these in. I just think these are good. Verse 3. He has blessed us. We talked about that a lot last weekend about when we're in Christ, God has overwhelmingly poured out His Spirit and His blessings upon us. Let's look at the next one together. He has chosen us, and we went through that whole thing about how we're chosen. We didn't choose Him. He did what? He chose us. Look at the third one. He predestined us, and I tried to start a split last weekend. No, I really didn't. But the Scripture talks about His predestination there, about how He predestines us as uh, chosen heirs. Look at the fourth one. He accepts us. I, I love this one. I, I write down accepted and then I'd circle it and maybe just start and go, man, I am accepted. I am valued in the beloved of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, man, that's, that's a great place to be. Look at, look at the fifth one. He redeems us, verse 7. Now that's what we all need. We need to be redeemed. We need to be bought back from our sin nature by the blood of Christ. Six, we have an inheritance. He we are inherited. So here he goes. He goes, we're redeemed, we're inherited. And then he goes to verse 13, which I'll pick up today. And he says, then now you're sealed. And we're going to talk about that seal today. This is maybe a little different than what you would think. But I think it's important that we get some truths here as we unpack. Basically, he's talking here about hearing, understanding, receiving, believing, trusting, leaning into the gospel. The gospel is the good news of Christ, that Christ came and uh, gave his life up freely as a sacrifice. We, so many people have been to church like, man, tell me something I don't know. But it's important that we know that positionally in Christ. And that it, it, look there in chapter 1, verse 13 with me. Just look here at what it says in the Scripture. Chapter 1, ready? Verse 13. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, having believed you were marked in him with the seal, the promised Holy Spirit. I love that. A lot of times people have asked me over the years, because there's different camps in the body of Christ, and some say, when do we get the Spirit, and you're leaking with the Spirit, and you're filled with the Spirit, and baptism of the Spirit, and all these things. But what I want to go ahead and tell you, according to God's Word, you can write it down, you can bank on it. When you come to faith, when you receive Christ, the Holy Spirit comes into your life, He marks you, He makes a deposit he marks you out as his own. And the church said, man, that is really, really good news. For me, next Monday, it was 40 years ago, four decades. I know you're going to do your old, I know. And that's when Christ marked me. That's when I became his as a 19-year-old. I remember that day just like yesterday because it was so life-shattering, life-changing. It was the dynamic presence of Christ. And yet, when the Holy Spirit marked me, he also he sealed me is God's own. Uh, in 
in theology that I come out of, Wesleyan theology, it teaches this. The Holy Spirit wooed me to himself, to the Father. Uh, some of you are saying, woo, what does woo mean? Okay, tell you what, guys, you understand this. Have you ever wooed a girl? Huh? Hello? You wooed her. You pursued her. You were trying to get her to. How many raise your hands if you really worked hard at wooing somebody in your life? Come on. If, if you've been married or if you are married or if you're dating a little girl or you like girls, if you don't like girls and you're a guy, we need to talk after this service, okay? You wooed them. You pursued them. And that's what the Holy Spirit does. He woos. He draws. I love that. And then the Holy Spirit, one of the jobs is he's a, he's a helper. He comes to help us. He comes to comfort us. He comes to guide us. He comes to teach us, to lead us in the light of Christ. So we hear the good news. We believe the good news, possibly. And then we, we trust in what it has. This whole seal thing, in, in, in the days that Scripture was written, it was more around a, a, a port, a, a city, and where you'd have a lot of commerce and shipping. And they'd have these big uh, crates, these big shipping boxes and they would put a band around the crate, and they would seal it, and then they would get the signet ring, and they would like put it in there, and then when it would go across the sea, and it would reach its destination, and if the band hadn't been broken, that seal was intact, they knew probably you know, everything was going to be in as it had been shipped from this side to the other side. That's what the Holy Spirit does. He seals us in Christ that we're eternally secure in the Lord. Now, I think that's a great truth. I don't know what you think, but I want to know that, well, I think I've got Jesus. I had him. I lost him. Maybe he'll find me on the way. Maybe I'll get him back. Now, we can walk away. We can turn our back on Christ. But the thing is, if we've really come to Christ, he seals us. He marks us. I, I love that about Christ, that he makes that deposit. He, he guarantees us. He's, he's our seal. I'll say that over and over. He's our seal the Holy Spirit. Uh, it means to, that seal means to, to mark us out. It means to guarantee um, uh, maybe a document. It means to guarantee us against that day when we're presented to the Father and we're either we're in Christ or we're not in Christ. There's only two choices. You're in Him. You're not in Him. You've received Christ. You've rejected Christ. I mean, it's just two options. It's not like, well, give me a third. Give me a third option. Give me a third choice. There's not a third choice. I know some have taught maybe there's another choice, but there's not another choice. It's either we know Christ, we're alive in Him. That's the good news. As we're walking through these days with Donna's mom, I was in a room yesterday and uh, just walked over and I saw a Bible sitting over there and uh, just picked it up and I looked at it and a bunch of, bunch of these fell out of it. She hasn't been able to come much in the last six months. She's been pretty ill but I, I just looked down there, and I thought, man, her, I love her little penmanship. And I'd see where she'd write little notes. And she was trying to follow the Lord and wants to follow him to the best of her ability. And in the last several, well, really the last nine months that she's lived with us in and out, it's just been neat to, to listen to her and talks about how, how I'm praying, how I'm following my Christ, how I'm ready to meet him if he's ready to call me home. I go, man, that's, that's the hope that we all want to have. This seal here. Listen to Romans 8.16. The Holy Spirit in the believer's life helps guarantee us. It goes, the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we're children of God. So people ask me, how do I know if I'm saved? Because the Holy Spirit bears witness. He, he's become resident. 
He, he dwells, he marks, he guarantees, and there's just something, it just, you know that you know, or you know that you don't know him, but you know. And, and so that's my prayer, is, is I've been ministering the gospel for a lot of years. I just want people to know Christ. I want you to know the fellowship of his suffering, but I really want you to know the power of his resurrection. I want you to know in an intimate manner where you just go, man, I walk with Jesus. I listen to him. He gives me leadership. He gives me guidance. He, he fills me with hope. He gives me correction sometimes when I need it. Someone's like, I don't really like that, but it's a job of God. Listen to Romans 8, 9, and 10. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. In fact, the Spirit of God dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ doesn't belong to him. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the Spirit is life because of righteousness. There's that, there's that life with a capital L. It's that life in the Messiah, the life in Jesus. Another thing that the Holy Spirit does, and I'll move past this, He protects us against the attacks of the evil one. How many of you would agree with me that we get attacked by Satan and by demons and by uh, things, uh, principalities and things of the dark world? How many believe that we are in a spiritual warfare all the time? You're saying, dude, I've never seen them. <laughs> well, you felt them though, had you? And you have experienced attacks and you've just experienced hard times. And yet the Spirit guards us. It protects our hearts against that day. You know, one thing that I think the Holy Spirit does, He helps us to overcome discouragement. He gives us hope because our hope doesn't rest in the things of this world, but it rests in the things that are unseen. It rests in our faith in Christ. And we look to Him and we say, yes, Lord. It's like th this whole seal thing. Here, I'll, I'll set it up for you. Have you ever been down to Costco down here? Anybody ever been to Costco? Raise your hand. Uh, and it's changed your life, hasn't it? <laughs> well, I, every time I go there, I just spend a lot of money. Except it's Tuesday, I don't spend a lot of money. I spend $3.14 most Tuesdays. That's what it costs to get a dog, a drink, and a, and a and, uh, chocolate yogurt. Yeah, okay. But uh, three fourteen. dollars But other times, like when I go in there with Donna, it's a lot more than three fourteen. Or even when I go in there, like if I, something else, I'm like, man, we need to get this. But when you walk out of Costco, you know, you walk in, you got to present your card. And they're like, yeah, you're in the club. Come on in. You're in the exclusive membership, and you get to walk in. And when you walk out and you got something in your hands, what do they want? They want to see that receipt. And how many times have you gone, man, I can't find the receipt. I didn't steal this, but I, I, you know, I don't know where the receipt is. You put it back in your wallet. You put it back in your purse. And, and don't you love it when it's really busy at Costco and you get over there, and there's that person in front of you, and they can't find their receipt? You want to go, Really? Really? You've been standing here with 35 people in front of you, and you waited. Oh, I'm, did I say that out loud? I did not mean to say that. Okay. So, but you get up there, and when you show that receipt, that seal, what does that lady do? It makes my day. She gets her yellow highlighter, and what does she do? Check. Gone. You're done. Hey, you pass the test. You get out of the store. You didn't steal the goods. Well, here's what I think it is. God marks us. He marks us, though, not with a yellow highlighter. God's not looking for a receipt. I think Christ, the Holy Spirit marks this and says, done, sealed, bought, purchased by my blood. You're mine. Man, and you get to, and, and you, and you get, man, that, that's, that's, I get bought. I'm not my own. I'm God's. I, I get to move on. So the Spirit, he, he seals us. The, the Spirit also, he, he's just a sign of authenticity. I think when the Holy Spirit begins to work and flow in our life, there's just authentic change. There's just uh, a love for worship. I, I remember before I knew Christ, I knew nothing about worship in the, in the house of God. Now I long for it. 
I, I love praise and worship music because it drives me to the heart of my God. I love to sing. I love to worship. How many of you love to sing and worship? I mean, that, that you're thinking, well, I don't particularly like it. I just want to hear the word. Well, you're probably not going to be super happy in heaven all the time, okay? Because I think we're going to do a lot of singing and a lot of worship. And the scripture talks about it. And we're going to do a lot of praise and, and ruling with Christ. And, man, it's going to be incredible. So I invite you to get in on this side. But there's something about it. It's like, if, 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 let, let's just pretend that some of you were Alabama fans. Because I know some of you are. You get enthusiastic about your team. And the other night, you almost had a coronary because you thought they choked. I mean, I was actually pulling for them. I really, I, I'm not being a hypocrite. I really did pull for them Monday night. And when the field goal dude choked, oh, excuse me, I mean, when he missed it, I thought, really? They just, but then they got to come back and redeem that. So, so that was cool. But, and, then, and then I was so fired up, I just started watching. I watched the post-game stuff. Now, what was beautiful was this new quarterback that came in that loves the Lord Jesus Christ and gave glory to Christ. I thought, man, that is awesome. But all week, I've seen more red and white than I've seen since the last time y'all won a national championship. It's everywhere. And, and sometimes, I'll just walk up to people and I'll go, and, and it used to be hard for me to say this, but I'll try. I'll see them in their gear, and they're so proud, and I go, roll tide and you won't believe it changes the countenance and the relationship they're my best bud they want to talk to me i mean i just went to get some batteries uh, I, I had some battery challenges i wanted a battery source and this guy gets out i mean he's got on red and white socks and i didn't see his underwear that was probably alabama too everything was red and white all over the car i thought humor the man and when i said roll tide man he just like you know, I thought he was just like, dude, that is awesome. Because that, that, that thrilled him. But here's, what I'm, here's why I'm telling you all that long story. How thrilled do we get about the presence of Jesus? How thrilled do we get about the house of God coming to fellowship and, and coming to bring our friends or to invite our friends that are lost to somehow meet this wonderful Savior? I talk about it all the time. I want to take people on a journey with me. I want people to go on a journey with you that somehow they might know Christ. Let, let's keep going here. So the Holy Spirit, He pledges inheritance to us. He's, he's our assurance. He's our down payment. He's, he's the Holy Spirit here. He seals. He marks. He's our earnest money. You ever bought a house before? We ever bought a car? And somebody said, give me a little money. Give me a little cash. Give me something. And I'll keep it for you. Well, that's what the Holy Spirit does. He, he marks us for God. That, hey, you're God's now. I, I love that. The message of safety and security and guarantee is the work of Christ. And to be connected to him is the key. I read a story I thought was interesting Around World War II, there was a, a big fire in Texas, and there was like 263 kids and teachers and people that lost their lives. And it was, it was devastating to the town. You, you, you know, you can't imagine. And after the war, they decided to build a brand-new school with all state-of-the-art. Then they put in this uh, sprinkler system, and they didn't want that to happen again. They didn't want to have to go through a fire again that would kill these precious lives. So it was awesome. And in that district, things grew and the school grew. So they had to enlarge. They had to add on to the school. So they, they added on to the school. And as they were adding on to the school, they'd already been the pride that, man, we have the best school and we have the best sprinkler, sprinkler system in Texas. And as they were getting ready to tie it into the new building, one of the contractors discovered something. 
that they had never connected the, to the source. It had never been hooked up. And their sprinkler system didn't work. <laughs> and I'm thinking, man, how bad it would be to just come to church or go to youth group or go to small group or be a part of some religious activity for years and years. But never connect your heart to Jesus. Never really receive and commit your all to s- surrendering to Christ. And somehow you, you knew the talk, you, you knew the stories of the Bible, although it's getting less and less today, but you had a lot of knowledge, but you just didn't know Him. And so my, my premise here is, God, just help us to connect to you, to, to know you. Now, move down here with me. You, you see here, he says, deposit guaranteeing our inheritance. Look at verse 15. There's a whole section there, 15, verse through 23, and I want you to see it. In my Bible, it has a headline that goes, Thanksgiving and Prayer. So I, I don't know if I gave you this. Let me just back up and I'll jump on it. Verse 13 is the seal of the Spirit. Did you already throw that note up for me? If you didn't, see, so I choked. I, I didn't. Sorry about that. See, sometimes when I don't feel in a blank, somebody goes, can you tell me what the blank was? Like, it's been driving me nuts. The seal of the Spirit. Verse 15, 16. Reasons for thanksgiving and Paul's prayer for the Ephesian believers. Remember I told you last weekend, Paul was one of the pastors there of the church of Ephesus. And what a gifted orator what a gifted leader he was and the thing that i know about the ephesian church was it was a church that wanted to grow and it wanted to mature in the riches of christ that it might be complete and stand strong and stand for christ they were also they were a church that they didn't really neglect prayer they were committed to prayer and paul was such a great prayer warrior we look at some of the prayers of paul in a minute some other passages of scripture but it also reminds me of the book of acts You can go through chapter after chapter in the book of Acts, and you see the church of Acts was a church that was fervent. It was prayerful. It was passionate. It was powerful. It pursued the heart of God. There were miracles. There were conversions. I mean, it was just, it was a church that everybody wants to be a part of today. They they prayed in one accord. It was a a unified church. God, do that for us here. They, They prayed over one another. In, in, in uh, Acts 6, 6, it says the church prayed over the seven men and they appointed to serve. Acts 12, 1 through 11, they prayed fervently and James was martyred and Peter was in prison and God, in a miraculous way, he delivered Peter from prison. And you just read the book of Acts sometimes and you see these miracles of Jesus. You see these miracles of the early apostles. You're like, God, do that again. How many of you want to see great miracle power in the church of 2018, or you just want to read about the miracle power of the church of the past? How many want to see miracle power today? I do. God, I want you to blow across this church on Ryan Road with an infusion of your Holy Spirit, with the power of the gospel. For it is God's will that we should be saved and none should perish. It's God's will that people would receive Christ and have their lives changed. Guys, every weekend I brag on this one person, a carpenter. His name is Jesus. He's an awesome God, isn't he, church? Man, you're saying, well, well, yeah, but I thought my ball team was awesome. No, your ball team is good, okay? Some of your ball teams are pitiful, but we wouldn't even call names, okay? But our God is good. He is great. He is awesome. He's worthy of our praise this morning. So here it is, this runaway prayer here. For this reason, ever since I heard about you, verse 15, your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, 
remembering you in my prayers, I keep asking that the God of the Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. Have you heard me this morning? I've been talking about knowing him and knowing better. You say, well, pastor, I know him. Great. Do you want to know him better? I do. Then you've got to come into his presence continually. You've got to spend time in his word. You've got to spend time in study. You've got to connect your heart into serving him and his purposes and loving him and loving the family of Christ beyond our distinctives and our barriers and our hang-ups and our togetherness, whatever it is. God, just help us to agape. Help us to love one another. Man, that's what people are looking for. Like right now, you just turn on the news channels, and man, there's so much hatred and bashing and slanderous talk. I mean, it's nauseating. How many of you think the news can get nauseating? Yeah. And yet I go back for more. And I'm like, why? Because I want to be informed. But I know this. When I find my time with Jesus, he has a way of washing over me in this world and restoring my heart with him refreshing me in his presence that's why i love praise and worship it just it brings me into the presence of the father it brings me there with brothers and sisters to to love and to move on but i want you to see in verse 17 guys look at this this is this is so critical that he might give us a spirit of wisdom and revelation have you ever has this ever happened to you because i'm assuming a lot of you would say you're christians maybe all of you today maybe half of you probably most of you say, oh, I'm, I'm a christian i'm a christ follower have you ever been reading the Word and all of a sudden you saw something that you've never seen before, but you've read that passage multiple times? And revelation, insight, illumination came from the Scripture and God gave you something. You're like, wow, man, this book is alive. Has it ever happened to you? I hope it happens to all of you. You're saying, well, no, I don't read. Well, I encourage you to start reading God's Word. Because Paul asked for a spirit of wisdom and revelation here that an understanding would come forth. And, 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 and that, in verse 17, write it in there. The spirit of wisdom and revelation and understanding. You know, that's what I pray every day of my life. And on Tuesdays, I spend lots of extra time because that's my first time to really crank down for the weekend that's coming. And I will sit in my study at home and this is after I've done a prayer walk, and I'll just get my Bible, and I'll go, Lord God, please give me understanding. Please give me revelation that I can somehow open your word this weekend, and people can eat. They can have a buffet from your word. They can have understanding of the riches of Christ. God, make this profitable today. God, I can't, but you can. God, I trust you. And I don't just invite you. I invite you to pray that for me. I appreciate that. Thank you. But I invite you to do that for your own life. Holy Spirit, l- let me see. Lord, my eyes, it, it, they've been like, like things have been hidden. But today, spiritual light like flooded. And I saw something that I've never seen before. It means to hand it over completely to me. It means that God imparts something to you. You know, that's what I pray, that God will impart truth to you and understanding and wisdom that somehow you'll know him better. And you can follow his will. You'll, you'll know how to raise your kids. You'll know how to be a good student. You'll know how to be a good parent. You'll know how to be a good son or daughter. You'll know how to be a good employer. You'll know how to be a good employee. You'll, you'll know how to forgive. You'll know how to die to pride. You'll know how to, I mean, just name a subject. 
And God just begins to speak life in here to us. And he gives us what we need. And, and I think it's the work of the Holy Spirit. Because I know before Christ, I didn't look at the Bible much, but sometimes I'd pick one up and I'd look at it. And it was just confusing. I'm like, yeah, well, I know I should look at this, but I don't understand it. And I'd close it. That'd be the end of that exercise. And then maybe six months later, I'd go over and, you know what that was? I blew the dust off of it. And I'd look at it. Didn't, didn't do anything for me. And then I remember when I gave my heart to Christ. And I remember I opened my Bible. And I didn't understand that I had a resident teacher inside of me now, the Holy Spirit. And this book became alive and it made sense. And it witnessed to my spirit. And I began to see things that I never had seen. And I also remember this. I remember wanting to go to Bible studies all the time because I wanted somebody to teach me. I had the Holy Spirit, but I also wanted somebody a lot farther down the road in their faith to teach me, to disciple me, to mentor me. Matter of fact, I went to the hospital this week. And one of the men that's had that ministry in my life is 81 years old. His name's Paul. You can just write down Paul if you want to. Paul Sims, if you want to pray for him. And I saw him in ICU this week. I went over the other night to see him, and he, he recognized me. And I remember right after I got saved, I'd been saved three weeks, and he walked up to me one day. He goes, man, you love Jesus. I, got, I do, I do, Mr. Sims. I called him Mr. Sims then. I do. He goes, call me Paul. He says, uh, we have a Bible study that meets on Saturday mornings. Now I'm a 19-year-old college student. I go, what time? He goes, 7 o'clock. I said, huh? He goes, we meet every Saturday morning at 7 o'clock. I said, yes, sir. He goes, I would like for you to come. You would? Um, Mr. Sims, I don't usually go to bed till about 1. And uh, he says, you need to come. You know, I drove over there every Saturday for a number of years. And I met, and I was the youngest guy. I met with a bunch of old men. And we sat in a circle in this guy's living room. And we just learned the Word of God. And here I am, 40 years later, pastor, leader, teacher, servant, whatever. And I go to see my friend. My friend's got some of the biggest hands I've ever seen next to my dad. And they're tender and they're caring. And he is a prayer warrior. And he loves Christ with all his heart. And I've witnessed him for 40 years walk with his Savior. And I remember holding that big hand this week. And just praying for him for grace and peace and healing. I tell you that story because that's my story. Have you looked for somebody in your life that can help guide you in the spirit of truth? It's a divine moment when the curtains are drawn back. Paul clarifies this here. Ask God. Here, right, just right out to the side of that. Ask God to give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and understanding. And you know what I know? God will do it. God will do He did it for me. He'll do it for you. He loves you. And there in that verse it says, No, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom, revelation, so that you may know him better. Underline that if that's the translation you have. If not, just write it in there. One translation says, Know him better. That's one of my biggest goals is that you will know Christ and know him better and that you might somehow get home with joy. That you'll finish the journey that God's called you to. Some of us have a long journey. Some of us have a short journey. It's that dash between the year we're born and the year we die. And I'm just praying, man, make it full. Make it, make it meaningful. Hey, here we're talking about these prayers here that the Apostle Paul talks about. 
How do you, how do you learn about prayer? Well, I think you learn by listening to the prayers of others, as I've told you before. And another one is you study the great prayers of the Bible. And in saying that, it's kind of the thermometer to the soul that we know him in a more intimate manner. And I think, God, that's what we need. We need the eyes of our hearts to be flooded with light. We need the eyes of our hearts to be enlightened with truth. Lord, we need to, to trust you. Lord, my heart, the, you know, when I say the heart, I'm not talking about the, the organ that pumps blood through your body, and that, that is the heart. I'm talking about the real you, the very center of your being, the seat of your emotions, of, your, of who you are. That's your heart. God, enlighten my heart. Lord, every important decision that I make, and even unimportant decisions, God, I want to have wisdom. I want to have enlightenment. I want to have light. I want you to have light that you can make good decisions. If you don't have light, you'll do this. You'll make a lot of dumb decisions. You'll go down the wrong path. You'll break God's law, and you'll find yourself in a mess. Do I have a witness? Has anybody here ever made some really dumb decisions? Yeah, like all of us. And you made them because probably because you were trying to gratify your flesh or you're trying to do what you wanted to do, not what God might lead you to do. So this is, this is pretty practical. It's pretty deep uh, theologically. But you can either drive in the ditch with a smile on your face <laughs> or you can go, God, I want to be led by you. I want you to show me what to do, Father. I mean, I just think God's got so much for us individually as a church that our eyes, that he opens our blind eyes, that, that we see, that we might know him, that, that supernatural work of God, uh, that it, it comes deep from within because God's transforming our hearts. Man, this quest for Jesus, man, it's a, it, man, it takes everything of you. It takes all the man that you are. It takes all the woman that you are. But if you'll give all that to Christ, he'll meet you. He, he's invited you into salvation, and as a result, of it, he's given you hope. So look at verse 18. I pray that the eyes of the heart might be enlightened, flooded with light, in order that you know the hope to which he has called you. I love that God wants to give hope. He gives hope that will never disappoint. He gives hope that is eternal. He gives hope that produces peace. He gives hope that brings about certainty and assurance that he is a God of hope that does not disappoint. Lord, you're a living God. Lord, you've called us to be exclusive members in the club of hope. I'm a member of the club of hope, are you? I'm in God's family. And that's where if I will meditate and reflect and look to him and ask him for understanding, then I find hope for my soul. Then I find what God has for me here. That I can know his riches. That I can uh, be valued by him. Here, here, I want to say this to you. I think this is important as we're looking through this. He says, hope to which he has called you. Look at the next part. The riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. His incomparably great power for us who believe, verse 19, that power is like the working of his mighty strength. Now, here's what I know about the riches of Christ. You and I will value the dollar and what we do sometimes. And we say how rich we are many times based on the resources that we have at our disposal, that we have in our hand, in our bank, or in a box, or wherever we keep our money. I don't know. But God values investments. Now, we value investments. How many of you, you would all say, yeah, I value investments. Sure you do. But God values us. 
And the thing is, I want you to look at this morning, the value that God has on you and me is unbelievable what God values you. He values us so much that he buys us back, that he gives us life, that he values us by the precious blood of his son. So here's what I want to say to you. The next time you look in a mirror, and I hear this all the time, man, I see myself as a loser. I see myself as a misfit. I see myself fill in the blank. God sees you as a valued treasure that he would forfeit and give his own son to ransom us back. And so then when I get proper position teaching in my mind and my heart and the Holy Spirit's illuminated it, I'm like, God, you value me. You value the people in this room. They have incredible worth. And God, you put the ultimate price on our souls. You, you, you bought us back. So God, you value me as a treasure. Just write down there somewhere on this outline, there's room at the bottom. God values me as his special treasure. I promise you, I bet everybody in this room has a treasure that you value in this world. There's something that you probably care about. You say, ah, not me. You're lying. I bet every one of you, you go, yeah, there's, there's this one ring. There's this watch. No, pastor. There's this shotgun. I'm going to shoot somebody. Well, you got other problems, okay? Hey, there's this car. There's this, what, I mean, you just, you just fill in the object. And there's something you value. And what do you do with stuff when you value it? You take care of it. You protect it. You watch over it. God watches over what he values. He watches over us. He values our souls. Lord, you love us. I, I, I tell you something that, that I treasure. I didn't have them until five years ago, almost five years ago. And the youngest one turns one today. And the worship guide is wrong. It's not the 16th. The day is Finn's birthday. He's one years old. One, one. He's one. And I value that little man big time. He's my bud. I think he even kind of looks like Pop, you know? Okay, okay. I like that. And I value him. And I will do anything. I will move heaven and earth for him because I value him. And you're saying, and, and this morning, let me tell you, I got to hold a treasure this morning. I'm standing there talking to some people at the booth, and Adam walks by, and Levi needed to go to the restroom or somewhere, and Adam all of a sudden, he just comes out and says, I got to go now, here. And he hands his daughter to me. Just poop. And bye, and he's gone because his, his, his mom's in here. She's practicing worship team. Dad's taking a little man to the potty, and I got, I got the angel right here in my hands. And it was awesome. I'm like, he just handed over to me the most precious thing he's got. And I'm just holding her, and she's just staring at me. I'm thinking, please do not cry. <laughs> and she was happy the whole time. And I just sat there and, and held her, you know. And, man, I got to hold the treasure. I, I got to hold their prized possession today. You're saying, I wish I would come early. I could have I held her. You could have come early. Especially, yeah. But here's what I'm saying to you. You, you see the point, don't you? Value. Man, you and I have ultimate value to the Father. So we look at the Holy Spirit, then we look at what the Son, what He thinks about us, inexpressible riches, riches that we grow in Him. But let me give you something about prayers here. I just want you to write these down. I want you to write down Philippians chapter 1, verses 9 through 11. And I want you to hear this prayer, and then I'm going to do another prayer, and I'll tell you the text, the address in a minute. But listen to Philippians. And this is my prayer. This is the Apostle Paul speaking. That your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight, 
so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ. Feel the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and the praise of God. Here's that spirit of wisdom, revelation, understanding that you might be able to discern. It's one of the prayers that Paul teaches us. Let me give you one from Colossians chapter 1, verses 9 through 12. For this reason, sin, we continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives, so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might so that you might have great endurance and you might have patience and giving joyful thanks to the father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his people in the kingdom of light those are just two prayers i could take you through lots of prayers that paul records for us these are examples for you to highlight to box in your bible and to go back and pray them God, I want to I I pray scripture. I want to pray powerful. I want to pray effective prayers. Well, then begin to pray these. You know what I hope your preoccupation will be in 2018? To grow in Christ. To grow in Christ. No, I'll say it this way. I said it before. I'll say it again. I hope your preoccupation this year is to know him better. To know Christ better this year than I knew him last year. You say, well, I didn't know him last year. Well, then come to know him today. You say, well, I knew him better 10 years ago, five years ago, two years ago, than know him better this year. That's, that's the kind of goal that I want you to set for your life. I just want to know Christ better. I just want to understand his word. I want to have understanding. I, I want to have his presence. I want to have his power. I want the Holy Spirit to throw forth the light of heaven on my life, that I understand, that I, I walk in his ways. I like what um, 1 Corinthians, the second chapter, the 14th verse says. The person without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, but considers them foolishness and cannot understand them because they are discerned only through the Spirit. Remember when I opened earlier, I said that? Remember when I used to open my Bibles and I went, hmm, don't get it. And then I got the Holy Spirit and I'm like, wow, I understand part of that. I think I understand all of that. I, I, think I, I think there's light now. I think God wants me to do this. I, I just, I tell you, folks, this is a, a journey that will take you all the days that you have breath. You'll never know. You'll never outmine. You'll never understand the depth of the love of God. But I love what Romans says. Nothing will be able to separate you and me from the love that God has for us in Jesus Christ. And the church said, nothing, not even death. Nothing can separate me from the love of Christ or you. So Paul gives this exuberant description here of the power of God. Remember what he says here, verse 19, the incomparable great power for us who believe that power is like the working of his mighty strength, which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead and he seated him at the right hand. Now, guys, that is power, dunamis, unbelievable. A God that can carve out the Grand Canyon, the God that can raise the dead, the God that can change my life. He's Jesus. And then let's just look quickly. Verse 20, he exerted in Christ, was raised him from the dead, seated him at the right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every title that can be given, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet 
and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. Here's what I know about Jesus. He has dominion. Have you allowed him to take you captive? Has he taken dominion over your life? That's what we need to do in 2018 is abandon and go, Lord Jesus, I want to pursue you this year. It ain't working out so well, me pursuing my, all my own goals and objectives without you. But Lord, I want to look to you. I want to know you better. I want to know the supremacy of Christ. I want to depend on you for my daily direction. And here's what I know according to this section of Ephesians. He'll give you and I the spirit of wisdom and understanding. Bow your heads with me. I'm going to pray a prayer. And I hope you'll agree with it. Maybe you'll pray something like this. You can go back and listen to the podcast if you want to pray it again or, or listen. But listen to this prayer. Lord, I ask you to give me insight and wisdom. I need you for this moment in my life. And there's much that I need to know about you. And I'm unable to figure it out by myself. But today, I ask the Holy Spirit to take away the veil, the curtain that's obscured my view. And I ask that my eyes would be open, that I can see. Open my eyes, Lord. Give me revelation. But open my eyes. I want to see you. Lead me out of this place different today, God, than I came in. Give me eyes to see, ears to hear, and feet that will walk in the way of the Master. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen.